This podcast was brought to you by Pastor Mike Calstrip and Fellowship Church. For more information, visit thefellowship.church. Those of you that are watching online, we are so glad that you're with us tonight. Praise God. I don't know where you are, but I hope you're blessed and happy and to be envied. Glory to God. So I hope you got a Bible as well, because we're going to have a good study in the Word of God this evening. For those of you that are here live and in color, we're glad you're here. It's only 93 degrees outside. Hallelujah. And, uh, you know, I mean, what is it? May? Yeah. Well, maybe next week we can have some normal temperatures. How about that? Would that be all right with you? Hallelujah. All right. Well, listen, let's open our Bibles together to uh, 1 John chapter 1, if you can find that opening there in your Bibles. 1 John chapter 1, or I'm sorry, 1 John chapter 2. Hallelujah. 1 John chapter 2. And uh, we'll just look to him tonight. Praise God. 1 John chapter 2, if you were with us last week, uh, we, I guess you could say, began a study in following the Holy Ghost. Aren't you glad for the Word of God tonight? Now listen, here's here's something that's so important for us right now, you know. Uh, The Bible says the entrance of His Word gives light. And it also says that His Word is forever settled in heaven. The Bible talks about the fact that, you know, he watches over his word to perform it. And uh, God and his word are one. And uh, they never change. And the reason that that's important is, is because we're living in a world where all the goalposts are being moved. And, uh, you know, what once was, you know, common, you might call it, uh, sensible, uh, uh, is, is no longer that way. And so... Um, I guess my point to all of this is it might be a little bit important for us to make sure that we stay screwed onto the right bolt. You know what I mean by that? Amen. Because uh, we are living in some times where, you know, you'll hear people talk about things and it's, it, 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 it's, it's amazing the thought patterns that people in, in these days in which you and I are living uh, have. Now, <clears throat> When Paul was writing, and, and all of this is due to the simple fact that people have forsaken uh, God. In other words, they have extracted or taken God not only out of their lives, but their intention is to take him out of everyone's life. And so the Bible says that because God, uh, because man did not want to retain God in his knowledge that God gave him up, to the Bible, the King James used the word reprobate mind or a mind that is void of judgment. See, when you take God out of the equation, dude, you're just in trouble. huh? The truth of the matter is it is impossible for you to think straight. So that's why, praise God, we can thank God for his word this evening because without it, we are without compass. We are without guide. We are without direction. Now, of course, you know, the, 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 the battle often that people experience in their lives is, is often the Word of God will, I, I shouldn't say it this way, but, you know, I, I, let me say it a different way. Their circumstances contradict or are different or opposite than what the Bible says. You with me? And so we have a, a, a choice to make as to whether we're going to continue Uh, in what it is our circumstance or situation is saying or dictating to us, or 
if we're going to choose to believe the Bible. Amen? Now, for example, a very simple scripture, I use it all the time. But you know, the Bible says that God has plans for all of us. How many of you know God's got a plan for your life? Yeah. And, and it's our responsibility to seek that plan, discover it, and walk in the light of it. But he, but he did say, I know the plans that I have for you. I know the plans I have for you. Now, that doesn't necessarily mean that those plans are going to come to pass in your life unless you choose to believe what it is that he said and walk in the light of it, right? So he said, I know the plans that I have for you. They are plans to prosper you, not to harm you, to give you hope, and to give you a future. So in spite of everything else that may be going on, that, from what I understand the Scriptures to be saying, that's God's plan for my life. But i got to keep my eyes on that. Amen? Because again, many times in our lives, there will be things that are saying something else. But that's what faith is. Hallelujah. That if we'll trust him, if we'll rely upon him, if we'll continue to walk in the light of what it is that he said. You know, the Bible says, Jesus, for example, here's another example. Jesus gave us a commandment. He said, uh, I, a new commandment I give unto you that you love one another as I have loved you. So shall all men know that you're my disciples if you have love one toward another. The Bible says that the love of God has been shed abroad within our heart by the Holy Ghost. When you were born again, born of the Spirit of God, the very love of God came to indwell you. Hallelujah. Amen. Isn't it amazing? I mean, I remember when I got saved, you know, all the hate and everything else, it left. And it was replaced by the love of God. I mean, you just loved everybody. Hallelujah. That's got to be God, right? Well, you know, the Bible also says that in the last days that the love of many will grow cold. So I, I said it, I've said it over and over again, just because everybody else's does doesn't mean yours has to. But here's the thing. We all deal with challenges in life. There are offenses. There are, there's pain. There's hurt. There's disappointment. There's discouragement. There's all of these different kinds of things that you and I as human beings deal with in life. I mean, it's inevitable. I, it, it's, it, you can't escape it. And so what you have to then decide is, is am I going to walk in the light of the Word? Of, am I going to continue in spite of whatever it is that's taking place in my life? Am I going to continue to do what it is that Jesus said? The Bible says that Jesus was tempted in every point as we are. In other words, he, he endured all of this, you guys. I mean, he, he knows what it's like to be betrayed. He knows what it's like to be scoffed at. He knows what it's like to be mocked. He knows what it's like to, you know, experience all of the things that you and I have and ever will experience. You know, when, when you're on a cross and you, you utter a prayer that says, Father, forgive them because they don't know what they're doing, that's love, my friend. Amen. And the same thing's true of all of the things uh, that we see, the, the, the visceral nature of people's conversations and hatred and all of the things that are going on. I mean, it, it truly is pathetic. And it's because of the lifelessness of humanity, the depravity of, of people that don't know God. But you know him. You are the light of the world. You are the salt of the earth. 
we are the ones who can, you know, for a lack of a better way of saying it, brighten the day in which we live wherever we are in spite of all those folks. Are you listening to me? You know, it's just like this last week. You know, um, people were wanting to protest, uh, going to the churches and protest, you know, on the uh, uh, R.V. Wade thing, you know, and all of that. And I thought, isn't it sad that they're going to use this as a platform to do this on a day when we celebrate motherhood? And what they're celebrating is taking motherhood away from, from women. And I thought, man, isn't it ironic that people are that uh, blind that, that they would even consider it. But, you know, in their minds, I mean, the God of this world has blinded the minds of those that don't believe. And thus, so you get the result that we see going on in the world today. Hallelujah. But thank God we're not of that company. We are of the company of the redeemed, and we are the company of people that have been purchased with his own blood. And, and the consequence of that is victory. The consequence of that is life. The consequence of that is our ability to love as he loves and to overcome. Hallelujah. But, you know, my message about following the Holy Ghost, uh, following the Spirit of God, the Word of God... Um, comes at a time when it's so incredibly important for us because there are many adversities. There are many adversaries. There are many traps. There are schemes. And that's why it's so all important for us to make sure that we're looking to the greater one that is in us to guide us so that we don't step into those kinds of traps. Are you listening to me? So that we can avoid them. And then that which was meant for evil, God can turn into good. Hallelujah. You know, and so somebody else can put their foot in that instead of me. Amen. So you need to, and, and here's the important f- point for you to, to understand. You know his voice. You know, you know his voice. Now, we may have opportunity to question or, or whatever the case might be, but Jesus said, my sheep know my voice. And the voice of a stranger, they what? They will not follow. So everybody say it together, I do know his voice. You you know his voice. You know, you don't have to second guess and question it. You know his voice. And and so, so that's an important dynamic within your life. You know, I mean, it ought to be the conscious thinking of your, of your mind and your thought life. I mean, throughout the day, thank God, Father, I know your voice. You lead me in the way that I should go. You are my shepherd. I don't have to want, you know. And, and these are the kinds of things that become, I think, imperative. Now, I'm a pastor. There are other ministry gifts that have been placed in the body of Christ. You know, the apostle who establishes churches and, you know, plants churches and does all those kinds of things. There's the prophet, you know, that has a prophetic word with regard to the future and so on and so forth. There's the evangelists out there, man, just, you know, pounding it, making it happen, getting people saved. And then there's the teacher who, you know, praise God, you know, tells people uh, how to live, you know. And, and those things are all important. But I'm a pastor. So, so my thought patterns all, you know, roll around in the context of the responsibility to shepherd the sheep or the flock 
over which Jesus has given me the oversight. So what do I do? I want to prepare you. I want you to know the truth. I want you to walk in the light of it. I don't want you to, you know, uh, stumble, fall, be misguided, all of those different kinds of things. And in the world today, there are so many voices. And I mean, uh, and, and, and I just, you know, I keep thinking about this, again, from a pastoral gifting and point of view about, you know, people needing to be established, people needing to be rooted and grounded, that they have a grounding, a foundation, you know, underneath them. Not, not just, uh, yes, biblically, uh, spiritually, yes, but I mean, just, you know, patterns of behavior in your life that are constants, constant or constant things, you know, uh, about how we treat one another, how we behave, what we do, you know, things of that nature. You, you, you with me? Like, in other words, that, you know, a pattern of giving. The Bible says, give, and it shall be given to you. Good measure, pressed down, shaken together, running over, will men give to your presence. My wife and I, for now 40, almost, well, see, we've been married 44, right? So we're coming in August, will be 45 years. But for all these years, and the four years that we even dated before we were married, nope, that's not true. Let's just go with the part after we got saved, okay? <laughs> but, but we have all, always, we have learned, that's a better way of putting it, we have learned to be givers, and we have learned to be generous. We, we weren't always that way. Well, I, I guess... I think we've always had a generous heart. We just didn't have anything to give to anybody. How many of you know what that's like? You know, we just didn't have nothing. But anytime we did, we did. And we do. And, and so it, it becomes, it's a foundational thing within our life that we live by. It's a constant. Uh, it doesn't change. I don't, you know... Um, we never think about, well, maybe we won't give to the church or maybe we won't give, you know, or maybe we won't pay our tithe. It's not even, it, it doesn't even exist because of something that we have formed as a way of living. Same thing, you know, is true like when the Bible talks about don't ever let any corrupt communication come out of your mouth. That's in the Bible. But that which is good to the use of edifying that it may minister grace to the hearer. Are you listening to me? So, so we have to make a decision about we're going to put a watch over our lips and we're going to make sure that what it is that we communicate or we talk or share or say or whatever with others is going to be something that lifts them up, doesn't tear them down. And, and you know, it doesn't make any difference. I mean, if you're controlled by your flesh, you might be a Christian, but if you're controlled by your flesh, you'll have all kind of ugly coming out of you. Huh? And, you know, James, when he talked about that, he said, dude, what spring brings forth both bitter water and sweet? It, it, it doesn't happen. So sometimes you have to, you know, go back and regroup and repent, essentially, is what I mean by that. And then ask the Lord to help you, you know, that there won't be cross words uh, within the context of our home. My wife and I don't have cross words. Now, does that mean that we always agree? Uh, no. I mean, there, there's times when we disagree, but, but there's never uh, all this harsh, uh, 
strife-filled. We, we just don't do that. Why? Because it's not an option. You, you know, you don't have to do that. Well, yeah, but I got to get my point across, or I got to win, or they don't understand unless I talk like that. That's not true. Well, now, they may be idiots, idiots, and maybe they don't, but I'm just saying you don't have to live that way. Are you with me? You choose how you're going to live. Are you with me? And your submission is unto God. And then whatever they decide to do, uh, that's on them. Hallelujah. You say, is this in your notes? Not at all. <laughs> Not in the least. So look at this verse of Scripture here with me in 1 John chapter 2. And um, notice it says, uh, let's, let's start with verse 20. John is writing here in the second chapter, 1 John chapter, tw- uh, chapter 2, verse 20. He says, but you have an unction. Does any Bible translation say something different? Anointing. You have an anointing. Or uh, the SV says, you have been anointed by the Holy One, and you have all knowledge. Okay? Now the King James says, but you have an unction from the Holy One, and you know all things. Well, we don't know everything, do we? But the one who does lives in you. And there are things he knows you don't know. But that unction or that anointing that is in you will teach you. It'll tell you what is right and what is wrong. I used the example last week, you know, when I got saved. I got saved the 27th day of August, and this probably would have been, I don't know, some, sometime maybe in September or whatever, went into this bar with all of the previous friends that I had, and I'm sitting on a stool, and the Spirit of God speaks to me in my spirit, and I heard these words, you don't belong here. Well, that's not an original thought. With, I mean, it is original because I had never had that thought before in my life, but it proceeded from him. And, and, and I actually repeated it. After I heard it, I said, I, I don't belong here. And so I got up and walked out, and that was the end of it, you know? Well, actually, we walked out because Joan was there too. She didn't hear that, but you know what I'm saying. Are you with me? So we have an unction or an anointing from him. And we know all things. Now, again, don't misinterpret what's being said there. I mean, we don't have all knowledge. The Bible says we know in part, we, we prophesy, but we don't. But you understand that the one who does know everything is on the inside of you, and he can tell you what you need to know when you need to know it. Now, notice what it goes on to say in this, uh, the context of this. And, and, and really, you know, what, what John is writing about here is, is he said, you know, there's, there is this unction on the inside of you that bears witness with your own heart to the truth. And so he's talking about a very fundamental doctrine uh, to the recipients of this letter with regard to Christ. Let's just read it, and then we, we, can, we can understand it a little bit better. In 21, he says, I've not written to you because you don't know the truth, but because you do know it, and no lie is of the truth. Who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? Now, stop for a moment with me and think about this. In the world in which we're living right now, there is such a spirit of anti-Christ. And you can hear it everywhere. It denies 
Jesus Christ. And it wants to do everything it can to snuff him out or whatever the case, or however you want to describe that. And so they're about it. And here's the reason why is because they have been judged by the word of God. And all the devils in hell know that their time is short. When Jesus was on the earth, he said, have you come to torment us before the time? So in other words, they knew something about the time frame of things and so on and so forth. But, but, but they were trembling at the fact that he was there. Their day is coming. And everyone who espouses that antichrist spirit has the same thing to look forward to. Are you with me? And that's why the church is so important in these last days, to uh, reap whatever harvest that can be reaped uh, before he comes again. But again, he says uh, in verse 22, who is a liar but he that denies that Jesus is the Christ? He is antichrist that denies the Father and the Son. Whoever denies the Son, the same has not the Father. But he that acknowledges the Son has the Father also. Verse 24, let that therefore abide in you which you have heard from the beginning. If that which you have heard from the beginning shall remain in you, you shall continue in the Son and in the Father. And this is the promise that he has promised us eternal life. These things I have written unto you concerning them that, what's the word? Seduce you. Huh? Concerning those. See, the thing about it is, think about it. You know, there's all kinds of people that have gotten saved, filled with the Holy Ghost. They've tasted of God's heavenly gift. I mean, they've been blessed. And yet they're not in fellowship with God. What's that all about? They've been seduced. Huh? You know, you say, well, how's that work? Well, sometimes because of offense. You know, something happens in your life, and, and instead of responding to it in a biblical way, they, they, instead of getting better, they get bitter. And they corkscrew themselves into the ground, and then they're mad. They're mad at you, they're mad at God. They're mad. That's an antichrist spirit that gets a hold of people. Are you with me? And so they end up, and so he's, 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 he's writing to them to talk about this very simple and very basic fundamental doctrine, and that is Jesus is the Christ. And yet there's always going to be these things that are, you know, saying, he's, and he talks about people that, you know, will seduce you. Verse 27, but the anointing or unction which you've received of him abides where? In you. In you. In you. In you. In you. It's in you. When you get in a conversation with people and the thing turns a little terse or it becomes, it starts getting sharp or it, 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 uh, it goes sideways, the Holy Ghost on the inside of you will tell you, dude, this ain't no place for you to be or to be engaged in that conversation. If we'll listen. Now, you know, we're human, and sure enough, you know, somebody will say something, and maybe we agree with it, and by golly, we're going to jump in and say amen. But, you know, we really need to be cautious and careful with, you know, with, with all of these matters, especially in these last days. So again, 27, the anointing which you have received of him abides in you, and you need not that any man teach you. Now, that's to, again, that's not to say that we don't need teachers, 
But the same anointing teaches you of all things, and it is truth, and is no lie, even as it has taught you, you shall abide in him. Thank you, Lord, for the Holy Ghost. And thank you for the anointing of God that teaches us in all good things. Now, one of the points that I made last week, if, if you recall, is that the Word of God and the Spirit of God always, everybody say always, they always agree, okay? And that, that, that is an important fundamental principle because a lot of people, they end up with all kinds of goofed up ideas, but it doesn't, it doesn't, it doesn't line up with the Bible. Are you with me? And so, um, you know, they end up off in error and, and they make mistakes. I use the example, I'll use it again, you know, but, um, <clears throat> you know, I was counseling with someone here uh, quite some time ago and, and they said, well, you know, the Spirit of, Spirit of God spoke to me and said that this girl that I've been dating should move in with me. And, and it was kind of a subtle thing. It didn't come out quite like that. It was just kind of, kind of got thrown out there, you know, and, and, and I'm talking to her, I said, whoa, 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 back, whoa, whoa, boop, 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 say that again. And uh, <clears throat> so they said it again, I said, God didn't tell you that. Well, yeah, I think he did. I said, no, no, he didn't say that. Why? Because the Bible makes it clear that we're not to be cohabitating with people and fornicating or committing adultery or anything else. That's sin. Are you with me? So that didn't go over real good. But, you know, you can't say the Spirit told me this when it contradicts this. Are you with me? But thank God, there is, look at this verse of Scripture with me. I was just thinking about this. Turn to Job uh, uh, chapter 32. Job chapter 32, and look at this verse with me real quick. This is about uh, Job and his <laughs> three encouraging friends. <laughs> they weren't very encouraging. But then there was another guy by the name of Elihu who was younger and spoke uh, toward the end. Notice in verse, uh, chapter 32, verse 8, look at the scripture. It says, but there is a spirit in man, and the inspiration of the Almighty gives them what? Gives them understanding. So you can have understanding. And, and my point to you in this is, you know, as we go down the road of life now, you know, the Bible says, be very careful how you live, you know? And I'm not, I'm not saying that we're walking around, you know, on, on eggshells or anything of that nature, but, but we're really cognizant of, of, of how it is that we're living, what it is that we're doing, decisions that we are making. And, and not only that, but, but asking the Lord about those decisions before, everybody say before, before we do them. Because he may have another way of doing something. It isn't that he opposes what it is that you're doing, but he may have another way that, that he wants to lead you. Because I tell you, God loves you. And he wants the very best for you. Over the years, my wife and I have, you know, talked with many people about, you know, life, doing life, following Christ, uh, being strong in the Lord. And, and, you know, our whole message throughout our entire ministry of over 40 years has been that God wants you to have life and life more abundant. 
The devil comes to steal, kill, and destroy. Jesus came so that you could have life. He wants you to have victory. He wants you to win in life. Nobody wants to be a part of a losing team, you know. You, you don't sign up and say, man, I just can't wait to lose every game we ever play. No, dude, you're, you're signing up because you want to win. It's inherent within you, you know. You know, Phil Wagner, my brother-in-law, used to do a children's ministry here at the church for many years. And, and uh, I don't know that this song was necessarily coined with him, but they used to have this song, You Can Be a Winner with God. You can be a winner, you can be a winner, you can be a winner with God. You know, well, these kids, man, they eat that up. Why? Because everybody wants to win. Nobody wants to lose. And he wants you to live victoriously in life. Now, again, that's not to say you're not going to face challenges, because you are. We all deal with that, okay? And we've already covered that. But there is the inspiration of the Almighty in us. There is a spirit in man and the inspiration of the Almighty that gives us and understanding. So over the years, we've talked with many people about their lives and trying to help them. You know, that was the whole thing. We wanted to help people. We wanted people to, to experience the same joy and blessedness and wonderful things that we talked. And I can remember on two different, uh, in two different circumstances where these young couples, where they were, they were going to get married. And uh, the two gals were in our church you know, as uh, during that time. And so we sat down, we talked to them and, and, and so on and so forth. But, but, you know, we knew in our heart that they should not marry these guys. They weren't good marriage material, I guess you would say. I don't know how to try to be polite here, but, you know, and, and here's the thing about it is, is they knew it. You know, we, we just talked to them and, and, um, and, you know, uh, sometimes things that you tell people, uh, they don't want to hear. And not only that, but in, in, well, not so much in the one case, but the other one, you know, the word, the cat was already out of the bag, and we got all of our, you know, this and that and the other, you know, uh, uh, stationaries and venues and all this stuff, you know. And, and we pled with them, don't do this. Go talk to them, tell them that this is not a good idea. Well, I'm sad to report that they didn't do that. They went ahead and married them and went down the road a little ways and pretty soon the whole thing collapsed. And, you know. and I remember on one occasion, I mean, the, the family was mad at me because I told the bride or the bride-to-be, don't do this. And they were ticked at me. you know. And I was not trying to make their life miserable. As a matter of fact, I don't need this. Okay, this is not my circus. It's not my monkeys. But if you're if you're going to be pastored, and then I'm going to tell you, you know, you can do what you want, but I'm just telling you that this is not a good idea. I mean, in the situ- in that particular situation, the person was not employed, didn't really have a future, wasn't really heading anywhere, didn't have a plan. You know, it's kind of like, how are you going to? you know, make a life together, you know? Well, you know, we just love each other. Well, dude, you can only live on love for a little while. Now we need money. <laughs> you know what I'm saying? And so it was sad. It was, uh, it was real unfortunate. 
And the same way with the second one that I was making reference to, unfortunately, in that situation, he didn't, really, he didn't want to serve God. You know, when the Bible says not to be unequally yoked with unbelievers, that's what it means. Can two walk together except they agree? You know, so, and, and it's hard. I understand that, but I believe, praise God, that God has a person, a person. There's not just, in other words, uh, let me qualify that. I think that, I think that you know, some people may not agree with this, but it's beside the point. You know, um, as far as I'm concerned, this one right here, she is the one, okay? That's it. They need no others. Now, having said that, I can also say, you know, that, you know, as we go down the road of life, I'm going con- to get you confused here if I go very far here with this, but uh, I-, I need to bring the context of what I want to share with you about this is, is that I think that when two people come together, they have to talk about, you know, their beliefs, what they believe, and they need to agree, okay? And then, of course, obviously, there has to be the fact that you love each other and you're willing to lay your lives down for each other and so on and so forth. That's, that's part of marriage. That's part of life, isn't it? You know? And I tell you, God can do some incredible things in people's lives when you do that. And again, doesn't mean there aren't going to be bumps in the road. Doesn't mean that, you know, everything's just going to be flowery beds ease because that's not, that's not the way life is. But we're on the same team, and we're going to do this together, okay? So, you know, if, you, if you've made mistakes and things of that nature, uh, haven't we all, okay? Don't be beating yourself up about, man, I should have listened or whatever. That's, it, that's water under the bridge. What are we going to do here moving forward? God still has a plan. He can redeem, huh? He can, he can make, he can turn your beauty or your ashes into beauty, huh? He sure can. You know, I mean, um, it can be in the case of marriage. It can be sometimes, you know, uh, couples have lost children, for example. And, and um, I, I can't imagine the pain. I've never experienced that. I couldn't, I couldn't ever imagine the pain. But I believe that God can give them beauty for them, them ashes. And, you know, however it is that he chooses to do that. But it's us following him. That's, that was my point. You know, and, and so when we get into situations, you know, I use this, uh, the uh, illustration all the time, clear back in the 80s, I fell in love with a car. I wanted this car. It was a 1981 Cutlass Supreme. It was like awesome. Okay. But the thing is, General Motors had come out with these diesel engines. They were basically taking a 350 and turning them into diesels. And it was dumb on every level, you know, and... Um, <laughs> So my wife, she's not a mechanic. Last time I checked, I don't think she's ever had grease underneath her nails unless it's vegetable oil, you know, or something like that. But we're looking at this car, and I, I fell in love with it, okay? Now, I know none of you have ever done anything like this, but that's, that's what happened. I wanted that car. She says, I don't have a good feeling about this, Mike. You know, it isn't that she didn't want me to have what it is I wanted, right? It doesn't mean that God didn't want me to have what I wanted, it's just that what I wanted was not good. You know, we have an unction from the Holy One. He knows all things, huh? You know, he knew ahead of time. And so if I would have just stopped and listened instead of what I wanted, come on now, 
And don't be looking at me like that because I'm telling you, I'm in the same boat with all the rest of you. And so I remember she stood at the door, actually outside the house on the sidewalk, saying, she said, I ain't going to buy that car with you. You go buy the car, but I ain't going with you because I just don't think it's right for us to do this. So what do I do? Telling on myself, yeah, I don't care. I'm going to get a car. So that's what I did. And you know, man, we're styling. Everything's peace, love, dove, and wonderful until I think, well, first of all, it started leaking like a sieve. You know, I mean, it was just junk. I mean, junk. And we were down in Dallas, Texas on some turn, uh, some toll road, you know, going a gazillion mile an hour. And all of a sudden, this thing let out some kind of burp and and I don't know what all, and there was noises this thing was making that it was not supposed to be making. I looked at her, she looked at me. She said, when we get home, this thing is getting traded. I said, amen, you know, <laughs> amen. So we traded it. We got a different vehicle and uh, went down the road. Well, we went back for service on the car that we traded, and we were just visiting and said, oh, you're that guy that traded that cutlass in. And I said, yeah, I am. I said, why? He says, well, that thing was sitting out on a lot. Somebody wanted to give it a test drive. So we brought it up here, you know, by the door so that it could warm up and they could go, and it blew up. No. <laughs> That's fact. Yeah. Yeah. Amen. So what, what am I trying to say? It pays to listen. Are you with me? Pays to listen. Hallelujah. Amen. Let's look at another verse of Scripture together. Let's turn over to uh, uh, Romans uh, chapter 8. Romans chapter 8. And uh, I'm really going to be curious to know what happened to my notes. I tell you. Notice here, in Romans chapter 8, the Apostle Paul again is writing, verse 14. It says, For as many as are led... By the Spirit of God, they are the sons of God. Hallelujah. Thank God for that. Amen. For you've not received the spirit of bondage again to fear, but you've received the spirit of adoption, whereby we cry, Abba or Daddy Father. The Spirit, uh, King James used the word itself. He's not an it. He, he's a divine personality. So the Spirit himself bears witness. Everybody say bears witness. Yeah, he bears witness with our spirit that we are the children of God. Hallelujah. He bears witness with our spirit. And I kind of keep coming back to this because I think it's important. You know, if you're going to be led by the Holy Ghost, then you're going to have to stop fussing and, and being mad and wanting to have it your way and all of that. Because all that is is the flesh, you know. Mind the right house. <laughs> I didn't, I didn't pull in the wrong driveway, did I? You know, we, we want to be led by the Spirit of God, but sometimes we want to. And this, this is probably where the crux of this message that I'm sharing with you is uh, really kind of coming down to is, is that we really have to put, you know, our will into his hands and say, not my will, your will be done. Humble yourself under the mighty hand of God so that you can be exalted in due time. Are you with me? And if you don't want to do that, then what we're talking about here probably isn't going to work. You with me? But oh, how God wants it to work. How he wants to guide you. He wants to lead you. He wants to direct you. And, 
And the thing about it is, is that it, it takes some effort. You know, Paul told Timothy in another place, he said, I want you to study or give diligence to study to show yourself approved unto me, a workman that needs not to be ashamed, rightly dividing the word of truth. God wants you to know his will. Now, the reason I bring that up here for just a few moments is, is because I want to talk to you a little bit about prophecy. Because there are a lot of voices in the world, and there are a lot of things being said, and I want you to be careful about what you hear, who you listen to, and who you follow. Because there's just junk out there, you guys. Now, here's the reason why people end up being misled and misguided is because, you ready for this? It's easier if someone would just tell you what to do. It's easier if you could find somebody that's going to tell you about the future. Well, I can tell you about the future. I can tell you right now what the future is. Jesus is coming again. And he's coming victoriously for his church. And the gates of hell are not going to prevail against it. And everything the devil means for evil, God is going to absolutely toast in one moment. And we are going to go and be with him forever. But now, that's not good enough for people because they're thinking about, you know, that's all well and good when Jesus comes. But what about between now and then? Well, my Bible says that they that abide under the shadow of the Almighty will be protected and kept by him. You know, in this whole COVID thing, I can't tell you how many times I preached on Psalm 91 because everybody was freaking out. You know, God hasn't given us a spirit of fear, but power, love, and sound mind. Well, if you're afraid, you can't hear from heaven. So you have to, you have to know, listen, and, and that's why that says you've not received, again, the spirit of bondage to fear, but you received the spirit of adoption whereby we cry, Father, my daddy. We can crawl up in his arms and say, God, what is going on here? He says, never you mind about it. Don't you worry. You just do what I told you to do and everything will be fine. I'll take care of you. How many of you believe that? Well, we need to continue to believe it. Are you listening to me? But, 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 But people, people are people. Human nature you know, we're, we're looking for the next, you know, great big thing, you know, that's going on or whatever the case might be. Well, the, the, the next great big thing that's going on is right here. This is it. You say, yeah, but I don't. You know, each got, you know, something, you know, thus saith the Lord, blah, 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 blah. And I'm all about thus saith the Lord. I like thus saith the Lord. But the thing about it is, is that the thus saith the Lord needs to bear witness with what's already in me. Otherwise, I'm not interested. And there's a lot of things that people prophesied here, you know, a few years back. And guess what? They didn't come to pass. But nobody repented. Nobody said they missed it. They just explained it away and kept right on moving. And I got to tell you, that's not something you want to follow. Are you with me? Because it leads to error. Are you with me? And so it's important for us. And, and, and here's the thing. You know, human nature is inherently lazy. You know, if we don't have to, what's the big deal? What do you think all this convenience stores and food? I mean, why have they just, you know, exploded and blown up? Because I can go down there and get something. I pay my money. I drive off and I got it. And I don't have to do dishes. I don't have to do nothing. And I'm not against that. But I'm saying that it caters 
to a, a certain quality within our lives that sometimes is not very high. Does that make sense to you? Let's, let's, let's be diligent, you know, to pray. Let's be diligent to study. Let's be diligent to uh, uh, be within the company of believers, you know, and like precious faith, things of that nature. Let's let these become those foundational things in our life. This is what we do. You know, I don't ask Joan, you know, on Sunday, do you want to go to church? You say, well, you can't do that. You're the pastor. <laughs> well, I could. She might say, eh, I don't think so. I'll watch you on TV. You know, I'll just kind of curl up here, you know, get me a cup of coffee and, you know, lay in the bed and fluff my pillows and I'm sure you'll do great. Go for it, honey. No, she never does that. Dude, she's out of bed before I am. Are you listening to me? It's, it's our life. It's, it's, it's who we are. It's what we do. And yet there are many people, I mean, I mean, they, yeah, not so good, you know. And, you know, people will say things like, well, you know, I mean, I've already heard that or, you know, I just, it's this or that or the whatever. You know, did you ever think about the fact that maybe God would have you to be engaged and involved in something because he wants you to serve others, help others, minister to others, encourage someone else, be there, you know, uh, for them in their time of need or something like that. You with me? But we, we live in this consumer-oriented environment, you know, where we have what, we, what, what I've coined and referred to, heard it, it's not, it's not original with me, but it's, con, it's consumer Christianity. What do you got? What's the next big thing that's going on? And people aren't faithful, you know, because, you know, if you ain't got whatever it is they think they want, then they're off to the next one, to the next church, to the next church, to the next church. Or then they just, you know, they become whatever and they just, they're not anywhere. Are you with me? No church is perfect, you guys. You know that. You know, but somewhere we have to be able to connect we have to be able to lock arm in arm. We need to roll up our sleeves and say, hey, let's do something before, the, before Jesus comes, before his kingdom comes. You, you, you with me? And, and get the job done. Are you, are you with me? So, you know, if you get into a conversation with somebody and, you know, you ask them, well, where are you going to church? You need to ask them, why not? What's wrong with you? <laughs> no, maybe that's not what you want to say. <laughs> you understand, you know, it, it's not healthy that's all I'm saying. God, through the Lord Jesus Christ, gave birth to the church when he was raised from the dead by the glory of the Father. He talked about the church to the disciples. And it, it's a staple, you know, that people need within their lives. Are you with me? And, um, and so we shouldn't um, allow other things to get in between that. How many of you believe that? And that's why I appreciate all you being here. I mean, think about it on Wednesday night. I mean, you could be home watching Gunsmoke or something. <laughs> like as if you care about that, but you know what I'm saying. So I just want to encourage you. Um, um, well, I was talking to you about prophecy. Can I, can I talk to you a little bit more about that? Turn to 1 Corinthians 14, because I want, I, want I want to help you with this thought uh, about judging uh, prophecy. Because you'll hear things, and, and, um, and that's all right. But notice here in chapter 14 of 1 Corinthians, 
It says, follow after love and desire spiritual gifts, but rather that you may prophesy, okay? So again, follow after charity and desire spiritual gifts. So follow means to pursue, doesn't it? Follow after charity, pursue love, okay? Then it goes on to say, desire spiritual gifts. In other words, what that means is have a warmth for the gifts of the Spirit. Many people, you know, because of abuses and things of this nature, a lot of times people, well, that's spooky, that's, that's nonsense, or that's whatever. They, they have no warmth for it. Are you with me? You know, what we need to do is say, Lord, teach me about this. You know, you, you instituted this as part of the, of, of the function of the church. But then it goes on to say, uh, in that verse, it says, and rather that you may prophesy, and I'll, I'll explain that in a minute. For he that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men, but unto God, for no man understands him. Notice it says, he that speaks. This is talking about in a public, you know, environment. He that speaks in an unknown tongue. See, oh gosh, this is like a can of worms. You know, the thing about tongues is that in essence, all tongues are the same, but they have a different function. And primarily tongues being filled with the Holy Ghost, as it refers to in Acts chapter 2, is primarily a devotional gift. Okay? You know, the Bible says, building up yourselves upon your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost. So there's a spiritual edification that comes as a devotional gift between you and the Lord. Okay, you with me? Then there's a the public side. So that's more of a private kind of thing. And, 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 and that distinction needs to be made, you know, because a lot of people, you know, they throw it all in one box or basket and then they dump it all out and think it's the same. Well, it's not. So, so tongues in essence is, same, is the same, but in purpose, it's different. You with me? The other thing you need to understand about that, and I don't want to go into the details of it tonight, but there's, again, a public side, and there's a private side to speaking with other tongues. So when Paul's talking here, he says, He that speaks in an unknown tongue speaks not unto men but unto God, because no one understands him. Howbeit in the Spirit, or by the Spirit, he speaks divine secrets or mysteries. Now notice this, but he that prophesies, now notice, this is so important, listen, he that prophesies speaks unto men, now notice what it says, edification, exhortation, and comfort. He speaks edification, exhortation, and comfort. What does it mean? Well, you know, to, to edify means to build up, okay? So if someone's prophesying, whatever it is that they're prophesying, then it should edify. The message that they are communicating should edify. It says it should exhort. What does exhort mean? Uh, exhort by definition means to call someone near. In other words, what it is that's being communicated is, is calling you nearer to God, to, to Him. And, and then the other word, what's the other word? Comfort. comfort. It should bring comfort. So when it comes to judging prophecy, this right here will help you really good. If it doesn't edify, exhort, and comfort, it probably isn't from heaven. Okay? Now, you don't have to get all knotted up about it. You can just say, well, that ain't God. Because we're human and we make mistakes. But prophecy in and of itself is nothing more than inspired utterance. It, it, it doesn't have necessarily, doesn't have any foretelling in it. 
It's just for now, okay? Because a lot of times people think, well, I prophesied, so now I'm a prophet. Well, no, no, you're not, you know, and that's a whole other subject in and of itself. But I think the main thing is, is that uh, I want to tell you about it. Somebody has a prophecy for you. It should always edify, exhort, and comfort. And it should always bear witness with what you already have within your heart. When, when uh, June the 11th, uh, 1977, I proposed to my wife. It wasn't pretty, but I got it done. Okay? And we went to this church meeting. And uh, when we went to this meeting, now I'm talking to you about prophecy, okay? We're at this meeting, and the, the minister was preaching uh, from the Scripture to make your calling and elections sure. Wow. It was wild. But before he preached this message, he pointed me out, and I was about, I think we were three rows back, maybe four rows back in this little church, and, and this is what he said. Now listen, this is what he said. There's been a lot of questions and a lot of things that you've had in your heart about your future and your life, and, and I don't know what all, and he said, by the, by the time this evening's over, you'll know exactly what God wants you to do. So there was no foretelling about my future. But we had been talking about, or I had, you know, the ministry and being involved. Because I, I sensed there was a calling in my life, but I was unsure. You know, so, so what he spoke to me was it, 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 it come alongside to support what I had already, you know, had within my heart. Does that make sense to you? But it didn't, it was, there was no foreknowledge, you know, thus saith the Lord, you're going to be this and that and the other, and you'll go all over the world, and God will change everybody, and you'll just be great. No, it's just you've had a lot of things in your heart, and tonight, when this is over with, you'll know what it is that God wants you to do. Well, when the service was over with, I knew. I, I sensed God calling me into the ministry, and I said, yes, I'll do that. Does that make sense to you? Okay. Now, on another occasion, we were having a service, and Deanna will remember this. We were over in the other building. Uh, well, that was the only building we had. Okay. Yeah, where the youth are now. And there was a guy who came in, and he was nicely dressed, a young man. Uh, but we'd never seen him before or anything like that. And I, you know, got to preach. And all of a sudden, in the middle of my preaching, this guy gets up and starts to, you know, prophesy. I don't know if there's any tongues involved with it or not. It doesn't really matter. It killed the service, I can tell you that. But the first thing you need to know is, is the Holy Ghost never interrupts himself. Okay? So if I'm speaking, why in God's green earth would the Holy Ghost have some guy stand up and interrupt me? You with me? Well, the unfortunate thing about it is, is that this guy, uh, what he had, it didn't edify it didn't exhort, and it sure was not a comfort. Dude, it was doom and gloom and judgment, and I mean, it was bad, 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 bad. And here I am, I'm a young guy, I don't know if I was 25 years old, you know, and I'm thinking to myself, uh, God, I could really use some wisdom right now because I do not know what to do. He killed the service. You know, I said, where are you from? That's, that's finally what I said. I said, sir, I said, where are you from? you have a home church? He goes, nope. And I knew right away this clown was just somebody out causing all kinds of problems. And I said, well, I got to tell you what you had to say is not from God or whatever. I don't remember what, you know, I even remember what I said. And so um, 
I didn't tell him to keep still necessarily or anything like that, but the party was over anyway. He'd, he'd already jacked everything up. So I went back and tried to preach. It was over. So I finally, I pulled the plug. I said, folks, I said, you know, I'm sorry, praise God, but, you know, we're just going to, we're going to, we're going to, we're going to cut it off right here. Because the anointing was gone. I mean, it was, I mean, it, you know, vamoosed. <laughs> it left. And so he never came back again. Now, how would I have handled that differently now? I, I don't really know. I would have probably tried to, I don't know. Doesn't make any difference. But here's the point. When somebody starts telling you, you know, something as if it is by the Spirit of God, if it, it, if it isn't something within your, don't, don't listen to stuff that you want to hear. A lot of times people, you know, they, they, they play the room and they figure out, you know, what it is that people want to hear and they'll tell them what they want to hear. You don't want that. You want to hear what God has to say. Does that make sense? Amen. So I'm not saying that we should despise it at all. The Bible says despise not prophecy. But, but what happens again is, is that sometimes things like that happen and so we're going to throw the baby out with the bathwater. Well, let's not do that. You know, praise God, let's just rejoice and be glad. And, but but um, please, please be careful how you live. And listen carefully. Be faithful. Stay in the church. Uh, you know, uh, again, I, 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 you know, obviously there's going to be people that maybe don't necessarily agree with, you know, the way we do church or whatever. If you can find another church, a better church, I insist, go, get, you know, be involved, you know. But on the other hand, you know, if there isn't a life-giving church that can, can satisfy you, then maybe the problem isn't with the churches. Maybe, maybe there's another issue that's going on here. Are you with me? And we just, we just need to be faithful to, uh, to do that. And, and, and please, you know, don't be a consumer. Be a participant. You with me? When we first got started, if people would have come up and they said, well, do you have a children's ministry? Nope. Uh, do you have a nursery? Uh, nope. Uh, do you have a, a ministry for the youth? Nope. You know, we just got us, man. We're just, you know, singing Kumbaya and loving Jesus. <laughs> now, eventually, my brother-in-law went upstairs and started teaching kids. You know, not because he had some grandiose calling on his life. We needed somebody to take care of the herd. Right. You know, and I mean, God gifted him and blessed him and anointed him. And it was amazing what that guy did in 35 some years. You, you with me? But it's because somebody said, I'll do it. Are you with me? And the same thing happened, you know, before it was very, before it was over with, we had uh, classes in bedrooms. You know, people would sit around the bed and we'd talk about Jesus in a classroom and in the kitchen. And pretty soon we, we occupied the whole house, you know, and... Um, yeah, it's a funny story, but we did. And I remember that couple, we were there for eight months. And when we had our last service, because we had leased this building here with an option to purchase it, they stood on, on the sidewalk as we left in tears because the church was leaving their home. Because it had blessed them so. Are you listening to me? But my point again in saying that is, is that, you know, a lot of times people, when they come to churches, well, you got anything from my kids, you got anything from my youth, you got anything of this and that and the other. Well, we didn't have any of those things, so somebody just had to roll up their sleeves and say, well, we'll make this happen. And I am so thankful for every one of them. Ah, I tell you, it's such an awesome thing. 
I'll tell you another thing that's really good. We, my son and I, and my son-in-law, we walk through a 33,000 square foot building that is about to be turned into a brand new church, sanctuary, auditorium, uh, foyer, uh, all of the most wonderful things you can ever imagine. And when we were all finished, we, we uh, got in the truck and we were, t- we were uh, uh, turning around to go out of the parking lot. And I said, I said, boys, what you're witnessing right there is something that was born out of our church 40 some years ago when 25 or 30 people from Harlan uprooted themselves and went up there and started that church. And now, I don't know what this thing, I, they're probably going to have a million, they'll have at least a million and a half, maybe $2 million in it. Beautiful, beautiful, beautiful thing. And a great congregation. And all of that is because of seeds and people willing, you know. I mean, we don't, we don't think about that. You know, I remember at the time we were, I wouldn't say we were heartbroken, but we were bummed. Because when you only got 60, 75 people and 25 of them leave, listen, that's not edifying. Are you with me? But God had something else in mind. And and I tell you, it's going to be beautiful. It's the old Shopco uh, building right there at the four corners of 44 and 59. And uh, I'm telling you what, they're going to tear hell up and it's going to be awesome. Amen. Well, anyway, I went away long enough. Praise the Lord. Y'all glad you came tonight? Let's stand together. We'll just commit these things to our hearts, and, uh, and um, we'll move on. Father, we love you so much, and we're so grateful, Father, for what it is you're doing in our lives. And Lord, we pray not only for those that uh, are present here this evening or even watching online, but God, we pray for our church. Father, there's so many wonderful things that you're doing in the lives of people to help them to come into the saving grace of Jesus Christ and the knowledge of you so that they can walk in the light and be blessed as you would have them to be. And so, Father, tonight we just ask you to uh, touch each and every one of their lives. God, speak to their hearts in that season of their life, wherever they may be, to encourage them. Uh, to comfort them, to strengthen them, to help them. Father, we're living in the last days. There's no question about that. And God, I just thank you that you're so ever faithful to keep us, to sustain us, strengthen us, uphold us, and Father, bless us. And so God, with, with grateful hearts, we come to you tonight, and we just thank you, and we ask you to help us to live out our lives and live out these years that we have upon this earth, Father, in a, in, a, in a way and in a measure that honors you. And I just thank you, Father, for blessing every home, every family, every individual, Father, who's made this church their home, and even the ones, Father, who have yet to come. We thank you for your blessing, Father, in Jesus' name. And everybody said, amen. amen. You may be seated. We're going to go ahead and receive.